from the North Virginia suburbs and near Philly do they ride. One, he has a goatee and a six-string by his side. The other packs a keyboard and sarcasm finely honed. The two men ride together into the great unknown. They are not seeking justice, they've got no wrongs to right. They're just here to sing some dick jokes and head off into the night. In rental vans and airplanes, they travel across the land. With songs of nuns and pirates, they are the opening band. Paul and Storm, Paul and Storm, Paul and Storm, Paul and Storm. La 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 la. Paul and Storm, Paul and Storm, Paul and Storm. Please no flash photography of Paul and Storm. Welcome, everybody. This is another episode of The Established Facts. Uh, we are coming to you actually live from Indie PopCon 2014. Uh, and we are uh, joined by a couple special guests. We'll let them introduce themselves here in just a minute. But uh, we'll just start at the end of our table and uh, do our introductions all the way down the line. This is Josh. Hey, guys. This is Derek. This is Storm, and this is Paul. And this is Big Don, your host. As always, we are here for your gaming slash nerd enjoyment. Do you, uh, do you ever get to introduce yourselves in reverse order? Yeah. I'm serious. No, it's very rare. <laughs> that was the first time in, in recent memory. <laughs> I'm a little unsettled right now. I'm so glad we could be here for time. I'm extra settled. This interview is over. <laughs> Well, we are uh, joined by Paul and Swarm, and um, you know, you guys, uh, you guys just performed on Friday of uh, Indie Popcon. Uh, yeah. How did that go? Just in general, it went great. Yeah, it was terrific. We had a real good time. Good. Yeah, this. Uh, I'm so surprised. This is a first year convention. They're just so organized. Uh, just have her book you down. Well, what I will say, you know, before we kind of get into our discussion in general. Uh, the con itself has been just a really good time. You know, this is actually this is actually the first con that we have been exhibitors at. Oh, we're really? Normally, oh, yeah, wow. we're normally attendees. Of course, we have Gen Con here, and we had uh, yeah. Indiana Comic Con in March, and uh, those were, you know, Gen Con is amazing. Indiana Comic Con was a good time, mm -hmm. but in general, this has been just just a treat to, to be able to talk to the people that we've been able to talk to, especially with you guys, and and uh, just having. A lot of fun with it, you know, having uh, being a new experience and just kind of having a lot of fun with it. So, um, so without further ado, uh, we'll get into our versus topic. Uh, I, I believe this is uh, minus our mini episodes. This may be episode 71, 72, uh, 72, 73 ish, early 70s. You guys are organized about your yeah, podcast yeah. episode numbers well, as we used yeah, to be. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we recorded, we've already recorded two or three episodes while we're here, and I've only released one of them. Yeah. So it just depends on which one's more exciting, yours yeah. or gotcha. our actual play. Yeah. So far, <laughs> this, is like, the top. this is like a this is like a quantum episode that it is exactly. both 72 and 73 at the Absolutely same time right. until right. until somebody looks at it. It's exactly. <laughs> Podcast. That's right. That's right. So uh, we're going to do a versus topic of uh, cons versus clubs, and kind of to explain um, what we mean by that is uh, Paul and Storm. Uh, you guys are uh, comedic act, mm -hmm. and uh, you tour around the nation. And so far, you've done at least this con. I don't know if you've done uh, a lot of other cons before. Yeah. We have. Okay. Very cool. And uh, I'm assuming, uh, as comedians, you've also done many. 
comedic clubs, comedy clubs uh, throughout the nation and things like that. So, uh, so we're going to start with Josh uh, because the way they've got us arranged at the table, it's literally just a long table, not our normal. So we're normally seeing around the table. Oh, you got, usually got a round configuration. Yeah, we use, well, it's a. I mean, it's a. It is a rectangular table, but there's a lot of. Got fat people at the table, so it is kind of. Oh, gotcha. Well, it's a closed circle. Then, right. Right. Yeah. It's a cluster more than a straight line. So, so we're gonna go linear down from starting at Josh um, as a spectator for the three of us, and then as performers for Paul and Storm. So, Josh, Converse Club. Okay, I do have to ask a clarification before yes. I fire out. Um, are we talking any performance or preferably comedy performances? Well, yeah, in, in, in this subject matter, comedy. In this, uh, comedy performances. Okay, thus far, I'm going to have to go with clubs only because I've seen more in clubs. Okay. Um, I'm actually going to have to go with clubs as well. Okay. Um, I am going to probably have to agree only because the only show I've gotten to go to at con was your day. So... I'm going to throw a, a, a curveball into it. Go for it. Where you sit. In that clubs is two different things for us. Okay. It's comedy clubs and it's music clubs. Oh, okay. Two okay, totally that makes different sense. Things. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, definitely con over comedy clubs. Okay. And in total experience, I'm going to go with cons. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, uh, with that clarification in there. Um, and also, it, it also differs between just watching regular comedy and then a comedy music act. That's also, uh, if, if I'm not fine-toothing it too much. Poland Storm's world is not black and white. Yeah. Uh, mostly because we, we have always hated performing. We've never enjoyed performing at comedy clubs. Okay. Uh, so, bearing that in mind, I will certainly say cons over comedy clubs. Uh, this is round one, where we Yeah, I know. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm just. I'm delaying because I honestly don't know. I'm having trouble choosing between cons and music clubs for. Okay. For, uh, okay. It, it, they're, they're different animals. I'm gonna just to be contrarian. I'm gonna say uh, music clubs. Music clubs. Okay. Well, look cons, at that. Cons over comedy clubs, but. Music clubs over clubs. Yeah. I think the most surprising thing is we didn't have anybody on the fence. I mean, except yeah, that's true. Paul tried. He tried. Yeah, he tried. And he still yeah, made right the decision. Right. Climbing up on. That's it. right. That's right. And then he just hurtled over the top. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, so uh, I'll go ahead and start with Josh again. Uh, obviously, you said you have a little bit more experience going to, uh, as Paul and Storm have uh, definitely given us the opportunity to not only segregate themselves from us on the table, but also <laughs> different types of arenas of comedy. So, Josh, why why do uh, clubs kind of... Well, I, I have to say that, for me, I, I've been in Indianapolis all my life. You know, I, I haven't really spread out that much. I wouldn't call myself sheltered by any means, but uh, in terms of the, the comedy clubs we have here, uh, with Crackers and uh, Morty's, and then, of course, the uh, different... Performing theaters like the uh, Egyptian Room and the Mirror Theater and all the other places that, that comedy performances have occurred, uh, I've enjoyed them most at the clubs because I've seen more of them there. Probably the most entertaining I saw was Gabriel Iglesias at the Mirror uh, before it became the old National Center or whatever. Um, because for me, I'm not a big fan of Crackers Comedy Club. Mm -hmm. Because at least up until here recently, I'm so positive they do it. They've done it's a smoking club, oh. and uh, I, I can't. I don't smoke, so I can't really enjoy comedy that much from the smoke everywhere. Yeah. Uh, alcohol, I don't really care about. It's just the smoking part. But uh, the great thing about seeing it in a bigger venue 
was that they didn't have to worry about food, didn't have to worry about any of that with uh, Gabriel Iglesias. But at a con, I've seen Mikey Mason. Uh, sadly, I missed uh, Paul and Storm's performance on Friday night because I was at home mixing our last episode, trying to uh, get up on to the craft right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, it was kind of a. It's Mikey Mason's been great at cons, but I've also seen him in clubs and. I don't know. It's just mostly experience for me. I would love to say I would see more at cons. I wish there were more at cons. Yeah. Like you guys would show up more often, or I could afford to go to more places because I'm sure you do plenty of cons. I'm just not funded for it. <laughs> well, that's actually kind of a new thing with cons, and we've only been doing. I don't mean to, to skip no, order. No, no, you're good. But uh, for a long time we did do cons because music and comedy were always more of an afterthought. Because it was so focused around comics for so long that whoever ran it didn't really value the music and comedy as much. And PAX, Penny Arcade Expo, was really the first who said, you know what, we're going to do all this th- stuff that we love, and we're going to have a big concert uh, in addition to having a kick-ass uh, floor and all of that. And since then, in recent years, more and more of the cons have sort of said, yeah, let's have, let's have something that really does focus on the music. So I think there'll be more opportunities in the future, uh, you know, here in India and elsewhere. Yeah, I, uh, you know, in the, in the opening lightning round, I, I was contrarian about uh, clubs versus cons for comedy. That said, I think my favorite performing experience as a music comedy act uh, was at, at PAX Prime, the first time we played it back in, I think it was 2009. Yeah. Um, Excuse me, sir. Uh, could you please not walk in the eye line of everyone? Ladies and gentlemen, Joel Hodgson uh, did a visual bit for today. Did, did a visual uh, prep call for us, uh, which is always wonderful in the audio medium of podcasts. Absolutely. <laughs> but thank you for that, nonetheless. And, yeah, we will totally call you. Call you. Thank you. <laughs> the other nice thing is, since he didn't say any lines, we don't have to pay him uh, right. after rates. Yes, that's, that's good to know. Of but course, anyway, we wouldn't have it. Uh, yeah, so, so PAX 2009 um, was our first experience both at a PAX and performing our thing at a con, in, in a, at a con that was really dedicated to making the music performances an integral part of the con. And it was really, I mean, there was five, six thousand people out there and it was the first time I as a doughy forty something dude felt like a genuine rock star. It was a real unique experience. Um, but comedy music, the kind of thing we do, there's a certain intimacy to it that can get lost at that scale if the crowd is, you know, it, it, there was sort of a Pax is a unique venue in that everyone's really like right there with you and they're all on board. But if you're at, say, just a music festival where there's a bunch of people out there, but only some of them are kind of there to hear you, and the rest are just sitting there waiting for or doing a string, string or doing cheese their, incident or something, or doing their hippie dance, or doing their hippie dance, it's a, it's tougher. Um, uh, it, it's tougher to get that sort of feeling, that critical mass of people paying attention and laughing and being with you. Uh, that it's a little easier to get at at a, a music venue. Uh, which is why I lean in that direction. But that said, we've been increasingly jo- enjoying our con experiences over the past few years, which is why we're doing more and more of them each year. Um, well, I would, um, I would definitely have to say that uh, as far as my experience is concerned with you know, the cons versus club subject, I, I don't have a lot of experience with, with 
uh, comedy at times, but I'm glad to hear that there are so many, especially PAX. I mean, PAX is cute, man. Oh yeah. And so you know, when you have when you have a con that's that large, really making a point to contribute to that or to allow uh, comedic acts and comedic artists to yeah. contribute to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's really encouraging because you know you have something like PAX. They're going to influence other cons to yeah. begin to do the same exactly. thing. We're uh, we're playing Phoenix Comic Con next oh, week, that's, that's and awesome. the uh, we have a show on the Friday night, and then on the Saturday night they're having an actual comedy night with uh, Brian Posehn and Mike Kaplan, and I cannot remember the third person, but it's three you know sort of you know comedians who who really have authenticity in the that's nerd awesome. world. I, uh, I mean, and that should be a very I'm I'm very interested in seeing how that goes because I think it's a really good fit and I hope okay. it works well. For them, because it only will help us out right, in the absolutely. future. So, yeah, but yeah, it, it is absolutely def- uh, increasing. People seem to be catching on that Very it's cool. not necessarily just you know. There's nothing wrong with you know the big costume ball and the the cosplay contests and the the dance rave. But people Saturday like Saturday night. So yeah, people like lots of uh, yeah. People you know, if you build it, they will come. I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think in general, um, and, and I don't necessarily know. Uh, I don't necessarily know um, all of your content, but in general, I think it kind of breeds for a more uh, kind of family openness, depending on depending on who the act is, obviously. Yeah. But but you know, I have I have a five year old, and and uh, I have a two year old who's going to be three in July, and I would feel um, I would feel a lot more comfortable being able to take my kid to something like that yeah. than on Saturday night going to a dance club and then losing my child in the middle right. of a bunch of ravers. You know, yeah. Like yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, not you know, not to say that that's bad or that you know. I mean, I love that. You know, I was just at a, a wedding reception last night, just having a blast with my wife, dancing around. But that environment is a lot more difficult to control yeah. than you know sitting in an audience and just enjoying yourself. You know, mm-hmm. listening to you know talented artists and things like that. So, Derek, you had something? Yes, yeah, so you uh, feel like at a con there's so much to do, so many distractions. Do you feel like people are present for being at a comedy event, or do you feel like people are like, okay, let's check this out, and like five minutes later, they're like off and somebody? It's a mix. I think generally we have enough people in the nerd world who know who we are that there's a nice core of folks who come out to see us. And there are the curious folks who are either the friends that we dragged along or, hey, there's room in the main hall that are checking out. And we find that people do stick. Um, we try to keep the show paced in a way that even if you don't know who we are, it's like, oh, well, that's kind of fun, that's kind of different. But at the same time, at a con, you understand that there might be a panel that someone wants to go to, so many choices, so you never take it personally if you see someone trail out, um, because their favorite show in the world, you know, the top stars are going to be there, and that's just kind of the flow of it, but I like that much more than, um, say, a comedy club in particular. I'm not, don't want to slag on comedy clubs, but they have a different pace to them, a different purpose, where... It's not quite an adversarial relationship with the audience, but there is this sort of battle between... You have to kind of win them over. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay, go ahead and make me laugh, dummy. And then a lot of people who come to comedy clubs don't necessarily know who the acts are. You think, I'm going to come and see comedy. So it's uh, just a different environment and a different case. I mean, we've played so many clubs where 
you know, it'll be the Friday night show, and there'll be a group of about 15 incredibly drunk either dudes or ladies for a bachelor or bachelorette party. They're not there specifically for comedy or to see you. They are there to drink and have a quote-unquote good time. They're there for the two-drink minimum. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not a pleasant experience to have to try and entertain people who don't give a crap about what they're listening to. And the expectation in a comedy club is a certain piece of humor. Like, set up punchline, boom, boom, boom. And with what we do, it's certainly dense with humor, but with music, it's kind of a different feel. So if you went looking for a stand-up comic, and you have this act whose pace is a little, you know, I mean, Stephen Lynch does the boom, boom, boom thing. That's a little different than what we do. Yeah. Well, you guys also, I'm sure, have worked... Yeah. That's right. With plenty of Thanks, seats dragging. <laughs> I, do believe, I do believe that's heralding the second coming. Gabriel is blowing his horn. Right, so timing. I was talking about timing. <laughs> I'm not the comedian. It's them. Um, timing is something. I know, listening to the, the things I've seen you guys do with YouTube, um, the Geek and Sundry channel, also, you guys really focus a lot on your timing because it's a, it's a tag team deal. Yeah. Uh, it's something, I, podcasting and comedy, look, a link. You guys have to figure out how to talk together at the same time without actually stumbling over each other. So I... How, there's got to be a lot, a lot of work that's gone into that. It is, we, years of talking over each other. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, we've been performing together as Colin Storm, and before that as part of uh, an acapella band called Da Vinci's Notebook for over 20 years at this point. And it's just a lot of doing it and learning uh, how you know, each other's rhythms and each other's style and pace and knowing, sort of, sort of having an innate sense of, you know, if I do this thing, I'm pretty sure he's going to do this thing, so I'll set him up for it, and, and it's, you know, it's through osmosis, if nothing else. It's not like we sit down and sort of parse out, okay, uh, I'm going to do this thing, and an eighth of a second later, you do that thing, and then, but hold here for two seconds for the laugh. It's just sort of, you know, you, it's the, the cliche of the sort of 10,000 hours of doing something to, to be proficient at it. It, it just experience. We're, we're used to each other. Yeah, we've been, I, I've literally been performing with Storm. We've been performing with each other longer than either of us has been married. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it's sort of, you know, it's other, you know, other than immediate family, this is the longest running relationship in either of our lives, I think. Yeah. So. Uh, you either kill each other or you get used to each other. <laughs> or kill each other very slow. That's right. It's a long con. Or um, move into the same housing edition like some of us did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and it's funny that you mention that. Uh, Josh and I um, and, uh, and our friend Mike, who uh, usually hosts our show, we have been, uh, you know, we, we do music as well. And... Uh, we just realized the other day that we've been we've been doing music together for like ten or eleven years. Eleven years together. Mm-hmm. Just and and you know and Mike and I actually went to high school together. We weren't even friends in high school, and then we ran into each other at work one time, and we just started hanging out, and then got into music together and stuff like that. So like the timing thing when you know we were talking about like just being with people and performing on a constant basis for twenty years. You know, even just after ten years, it's just yeah. kind of like we know where each other's gonna go. You know, we we'll just sit there and jam out, and we'll all know exactly where we're gonna end the song, just because yeah. you, fe- you feel that organic kind of 
that connection with the music and, and the performance. I, I, I hate to interrupt. I, and I don't know if this is carrying over the microphones for the people listening to the podcast at home, but this is one of the things I just love about cons. There is, I don't know if you can tell, about 40 feet from us is a gentleman cosplaying very, with a really good Darth Vader, yeah, yeah. a full-on authentic-looking Darth Vader outfit. Yeah. And there's a person lint-rolling Darth Vader's cloak. <laughs> and I realized that must have been somebody's job on the Death Star yeah. was to occasionally Occasionally launder Darth Vader's outfit. I don't know. I think, he, I think he would have used the force. You would have used the entrance. Using force push on the, yeah, on the dirt. If he could move the massive metal things right. and hit Luke Skywalker, you can get lint off of his cloak. But I don't know. Does, is the dark side that finely tuned? Does it care about things like tiny stains from <laughs> the tiny white stains yeah. from, from yeah. the feeding goo? That's probably where they would drink. The dark stains. Ketchup stains are no match yeah, for the dark yeah. side. And that begs that yeah. uh, a deeper question. <laughs> did Darth Vader ever take off the mask and eat? Or did Darth Vader have just sort of a protein shake with a little straw that stuck up through the mask? <laughs> Darth Vader loved corn dogs. And if he had the straw, was it a crazy straw? Was Darth Vader ever whimsical enough <laughs> to drink the blue milk going up through the loopy straw? I think that's that was what's actually in that trapezoidal face piece. It's yeah, an yeah. internal crazy straw. Yeah. And he can feel it going around like that before he takes it off and eats a corn dog. These are the kinds of things I think when I see someone lint rolling Darth Vader's cloak. And, and then while that's going on to the left is an exact replica of the original Batman. That's right. That's just the West Hero Batman. We were having this discussion with uh, Joel Hodgson the other day. Actually, is if you were to sit in a in this. Uh, uh, Adam West era Batmobile wearing the Michael Keaton era Batman <laughs> outfit, would people get really mad or upset, or or would the would the Batmobile like automatically hit an ejector seat? Yeah, <laughs> you out. you'd certainly too much rubber, boom, boom. right? <laughs> Which would be beautiful. Yeah, I can see that. I, I would like to dress up as Superman and drive the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually a good question. If Batman actually his vehicle breaks down, does it call Superman? That's a good question. That, or ultimately, yeah. does Superman ever just get kind of tired from flying and call up Batman to come pick him up? Huh? <laughs> you know, because there's, you know, there's times I there's times I don't yeah. feel like walking. Yeah. That's true. I gotta believe you know, Superman, superhero though he is, and, and indestructible as he may be, sometimes it just you don't feel like you know you feel like getting a lift from a buddy. And do you think Batman would allow him to drive? That, oh, that's oh he's kind of a control freak. Well, yeah. Well, the, pro- all this the problem is he. The problem is he's 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 not an American citizen, so how's he gonna get a license? Ooh. Well, they have, they have international licenses. Yeah, is there a reciprocity with Krypton? Uh, maybe. If this maybe. conversation hasn't gone already weird enough, Allison's going on, the Red Ranger just walked by. That's right. <laughs> that completes the Trinity. Right? Okay. Can we get a, a plug-in for these clips? Yeah. Go yeah. for it. Um, yep. That will be provided by Fiberglass Freaks at fiberglassfreaks.com. So if you have a Superman outfit and want to know what it's like to drive around in a Batmobile with a Chevy 350s, you give them a call. <laughs> yeah, you, you so, are, are we still on topic here? No, no. If you are actually on topic, yeah, we're yeah, we're definitely on topic for our show. Okay. We're just been rather yeah. late for our first plug, actually, so yeah, we're pretty normally, good. No, we have a we have a friend who does another podcast. Uh, his name's Keith, and he gives us a hard time because we plug everything in the world during our show, like any game we ever play, any person we ever meet. 
uh, we plug him like crazy. So uh, yeah, like so, kicked in the dice bag, which is a show that he's on. Yeah, exactly. kicked in the dice bag, which is a show that he's on. And, Part of the fear uh, the boot, not that was that way. Fear the boot, and, and okay. uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, so yeah, the fact that that's our first uh, our first plug of the actual episode, My, minus obviously Paul and Storm, of okay. course. Oh, we should probably plug uh, the uh, the uh, Acme Lint Roller Company. Yes, we <laughs> keep Darth Vader's clothes right. here. That's right. What did you use to polish his helmet? Uh, I'm also going with the voice. voice. Yeah, the force. Yeah. Corn dogs. He just corn corn dogs. Dogs. That's not, that's not just, yes. that's that's it's been determined these guys are going to have to write a song now about Darth Vader and corn dogs. Right. <laughs> Darth Vader loves corn dogs. Yeah, next, next song. Next. Song. next. next. <laughs> Done. All right. So um, I did have uh, a quick question before we kind of get into our discussion, but. Sure. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, kind of the audience and, and the difference between working in a comedy club and having that expectation where basically you have to rein people in to start laughing at your jokes. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think, you know, I've got a couple of friends of mine who are uh, stand-up comedians, and I think that's the hardest job in the world, like when you're a host or when you're a teacher or something. Like, your job is not to go out there and be like... The kick butt show. Your yeah. job is to go out there and loosen everybody up. You're yeah. cannon fodder. Yeah, and, yep. and, and and I mean it's really unfortunate that that's the kind of the environment. It's just like you would think, you know, when you watch Comedy Central and they do all those big shows, you got to think there's probably two or three other guys who come on before them mm-hmm. just to yeah. kind of loosen up the crowd and get everybody, you know, open-minded enough to start getting the jokes that a lot of people are telling. And there are um, guys on the circuit who are sought for that. Yeah. But they're just really good at doing that. I uh, can't imagine how they they must have very stout souls right. to be able yeah. to. You got to wear pretty thick. You got to wear a pretty thick armor in order to be able. Yeah. to Mike Tyson sparring partner. Yeah. Every night. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. No, I don't mind getting my temple mashed in. That's fine. <laughs> That'll heal up. Yeah. Um, so, but one question I did want to ask was, uh, as far as like the audience quality, have you noticed that, like for a con or when you're when you're in a music club or something like that, is it is it easier to kind of get or you know, especially on the scale of like packs, you said you, you know, performing in front of nine thousand people, you know, they're there to see you yeah. and to have a good time, and they've already been at a con where they've been having a good time. Like, is it a lot easier to kind of get into the to that mode and? Generally, yeah. The um, uh, one of the nicest things about performing at a con is everyone has a. You, it, it's a lot easier to assume that everyone has a certain general shared frame of reference. Like we don't have to worry about are they going to get this particular right. Game of Thrones reference right. in our song. Um, and it's it's generally an easier crowd. In uh, just, well, partly they're not half of them aren't completely drunk, right? <laughs> uh, and as we, you know, as we said, they're there to see us. And even if they don't know who we are, they 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 come in with a certain expectation that's easier to fulfill than at a comedy club okay. where it's you know somebody who's two drinks in right. and just you know wants you know wants to be made to laugh but doesn't necessarily. You know, share any of our interests or, or the themes of a lot of our songs. Right. So, um, and you still have to win them over. Yeah, it's just you're you're not starting from square zero. Maybe right. you're starting at square four. So it's more about not messing up okay. uh, and running your game. Well. And we found that 
over the over the years since since our our content uh, about six or seven years ago, we, we just sort of embraced our our own nerdy nature and started making songs uh, pointing more specifically towards nerd content, like our George R. R. Martin "Right Like the Wind" song. Love that song. Like that. Um, nerd audiences are they're really enthusiastic. Uh, they're very friendly. They're they're happy to be and ready to be entertained, uh, and they're loyal. They'll they'll travel a good distance to come see a show, and it's just it's just nice to to be in front of an audience that's not got their arms folded and waiting to see what you're going to come forward with. They're, they're, just, they're all set to have a good time and to enjoy each other's company as much as as whatever we're performing for them. And it's it's just a generally more positive vibe in the room. If you know, it sounds sort of cheesy and touchy feely to say that kind of thing. But it is, you know, you can you can feel it standing on stage. You can kind of gauge the overall um, mood of the room and and in the aggregate, you know, at performing at cons and and, and these types of events, it's just generally more positive and easier to do what we do. Do you ever notice that uh, you get distracted by uh, exuberant amount of cosplay? What's fun? Uh, when I, with our show, it's not an improv show per se. Okay. But in between the songs, we banter, and when there's stuff out in the audience that you can bounce off of, that's great. Right. Uh, something that's actually really fun around Christmas time. You'll always find people who look more or less like Santa Claus. Right. So right. there you go. But when you come to a con, every every day is Christmas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every day um, is an anime-themed Christmas. There you go. <laughs> uh, how, how much, just because uh, I'm curious, how much of your uh, of your content do you guys kind of base on the you know the environment of being at a con and, and, and things like that? Have you have you had an experience at a con that ended up turning into a song or a joke or you know some some part of your act? Or That's a good question. I mean, it's it's never like a it's never usually as as mercenary as like okay, let's write a song about. Uh, season two of Naruto or something like that. Uh, we have it, written a song about season yeah. two. Yeah, <laughs> we have several songs. A whole uh, third album. It, you know, it, it, uh, I'm trying to. I can't think of any particular specific songs. We we have a few song ideas that have been rolling around for a while that we've never quite found the handle on. Like I've I've always wanted to do sort of, you know, the sort of epic civil war. Song about showdown, uh, showdown, or the you know the, the the tale of the Hatfields and McCoys, or the you know, North and the South getting ready for the big battle. I've, I've always wanted some sort of epic song about various factions at a con coming together for a giant uh, battle, a free for all or something. We never quite found a handle on that. And there's, there's there's lots of kernels of ideas about that, uh, but more it's been, I think, just sort of. We, we're able to if we have an idea and we're worried that it's a little too narrow cast, it's a little too geeky, or it's a little too specific. Uh, we've we've learned to just not worry about that so much, and it's okay if not everybody's going to get that because the right people will get it. The, you know, enough people will will get it, but that's fine. You know, not every song has to appeal to every single person. And even the Game of Thrones song, which does have some very specific references to it, we find that people who maybe only know about Game of Thrones still enjoy it, um, is we don't like to write songs where it's just, oh, let's throw in a reference here. Right. Yeah. But it's more telling a story of some sort, hopefully a funny story. 
uh, but it's more than just throwing out references. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as uh, when I, I, you guys look well, certainly younger than us, but when we were growing up, uh, back when there was only three channels, every day after school they'd play, you know, Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny cartoons, yep. and we'd watch these. You know, it was very formative to, to both of our senses of humor. And you would watch these cartoons from the 40s and the 50s, and they would occasionally make very specific references to things happening of the day, whether it's World War II events or, you know, something like They'll make a reference to Wendell Wilkie. Right. I had no idea who Wendell Wilkie was, but... It's funny. It's not... Because it was done sort of in in the service of the overall humor of of the story, and it, it, it's done for, for a reason, and it's not just, here's a reference, remember that thing? Uh, it just sort of goes by and you trust that it, it's funny. Or like with Monty Python episodes yes. when they're making oh, yeah. references to yeah, 1970s, yeah, 1970s British political figures. Uh, you know, don't know who they are, but it's okay because the whole thing's just funny, so you roll with it. That's, right. that's the kind of thing that we hope happens with our songs. Right. And, and I mean, okay, yes, to admit, you know, we may be, you know, a generation or so younger than you guys, but I think that you get a lot of the same quality out of... Um, a lot of the animated movies and things like that. Like I've gone yeah. back and watched several Disney movies that I may have grown up with and gotten jokes that I never would have gotten as a child. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is this movie is ten times more hilarious than I ever thought it was actually going to be. Yeah, yeah. And that's that that's the trick, really, uh, and what we're always striving for is it's not. It's okay to have those kind of references, but you know, whatever you're creating, whether it's a song or a YouTube video or whatever, it shouldn't just be references for references' sake. Like, how many really obscure things can I put into this song or, or this this skit about you know, uh, you know, Game of Thrones or or you know, Star Trek Next Generation or whatever? It's got to be about so, there's got to be something more to it that people can latch on to. Otherwise, it's just sort of a, a a measuring contest of you know, see how much I know about this thing. Okay. Um, well, before we before we got started, uh, we were kind of talking about gaming, and obviously we're at a con, and uh, normally where there is a, a comic con or uh, some sort of um, theme like that, there's some thread of gaming interwoven in there somewhere. Sure. Uh, and of course, the established facts: we are a gaming podcast. Right. Yep. Um, so. I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff that you guys have experienced in your lives as gamers. I know you said uh, you casually play Magic and, and uh, um, you used to uh, play Dungeons and Dragons on a Ouija board in the sewers and <laughs> things much. of that nature. Dress <laughs> um, up and like that's right. spells. That's right. And yeah. Yeah. Basement. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I just, I guess, I would like to know. Um, what what sort of uh, draws you into games, and, and what kind of games do you look for when you're playing games? And this may be a little bit of an assumption, but you guys mentioned that you were married. Do you also have kids that you play games with, or you know uh, nephews, nieces, and things like that? And what kind of games do you look for for them? Well, let's see. I'll say that it's changed over my life. What what games I'm drawn to, and what kinds of games. Certainly, uh, when I was a kid, all the way up into high school, video games were everything, everything. And that's both the, uh, the old arcade coin-off games, your, your Pac-Man and Asteroids, Mr. Command stuff, and then Atari 2600, first platform, uh, second kid on the block to get one of those. There you go. 
which would be pretty special. <laughs> uh, and that sort of fell out of that right around when Nintendo came around. When I was in college and Sega Genesis wasn't as much into that. The fighting games just didn't quite click. Um, then sort of took a hiatus from gaming for a long time. And now I, I, I got back in, uh, I guess in my late 20s, um, with PC gaming, especially stuff like uh, Age of Empires, the more strategic stuff. Now I play Civ 5 far more than I should, uh, almost to the point of addiction. Um, and yeah, magic has some, become a thing that, that uh, both Paul and I have been enjoying really just for the past 18 months after being introduced to it by uh, our friend and co-musician Jonathan Colton, uh, who had been playing for a year before uh, he was like, hey, you ever play Magic? He's like, hey, try this. <laughs> right, yeah. First one's always free. That's right. And now we have stacks and stacks of cards. <laughs> yeah. you guys, uh, are you guys looking to do this more competitively, or are you just doing no, right now? We're just dilettantes. Uh, it's, mostly, it's, it's nice because it's, it's a good thing to do traveling on the road because it's compact, yeah. and you can fill time, and it's... It's social, you know, we're not just looking at each other's laptop screens. Right. Uh, so it's, and, and it's fun. And, and it's, you know, it's nice to trash talk each other while we uh, play. Because we have to, uh, you know, I've, for, for a long while I've had a, a, a red aggro deck, uh, and I tend to stick with that. And Storm has had uh, a couple of different types that he, he's, he's he's a lot better at, at building. Yeah, decks. I, I build my own. Which I find to be like the most fun thing. Yeah, I would agree. Where it's like creating this recipe and you're, you're trying to think there's the metagame. What are other people going to be playing? Or when you try to design a deck that is going to do this specific thing built around maybe a trick card right? and that maybe the whole thing falls down if people don't fall into that trap but then you have another one ready to go yeah, just really fun there's so many details, so many little levers that you can play with to try to create different effects and the art's cool I, um, I have two kids, they're uh, 17 and almost 14 at this point, two girls. Uh, they don't either of them games very much. Occasionally we'll game with them and they're friends. Uh, my daughter, my older daughter and her friends actually have just recently gotten into magic. Uh, and that's been interesting to watch. But, but, but the times we do play games, a lot of time, uh, I've recently got into some of the more cooperative games like Castle Panic. And uh, to a lesser extent, pandemic, because while it's cooperative, it is also phenomenally frustrating. Um, <laughs> that's, but I, that's such a good thing. I, I, I really, I've enjoyed the dynamic of, of the sort of everybody's working on the same side games that I you know, hadn't done much in the past. So that's been very fun. I, I still have my Xbox 360. Um, did a lot of uh, a lot of sort of the big titles. Uh, I do enjoy the um, the modern, modern. I started with Modern Warfare 2 and went through most of those, and the, you know, the Black Ops 1 and 2, uh, and then some of the the more sort of RPG-ish games, you know, Dragon Age, LA Noir. I actually okay. enjoyed the mechanic okay. on, on that a lot. Have you gotten into Skyrim at all? I, d I, I went deep on Skyrim for about a three-month period, and I, I actually had to stop because I was not doing anything else. Yeah, right. uh, so immersive. And and then luckily, I think at that point, we went on tour for a little while, and I was away from it, and by the time I got back, I'd sort of lost the job. You know, I, I dried out. 
Uh, it is a lot like the, the uh, uh, you know, decontaminating yourself. Yeah. 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 It has detox. I was, I was, detox I was from Skyrim. One, as I'm sure everybody is, I was the king of, okay, just one more cave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one more mission. Three hours later. And yeah. it happened to me with Minecraft. Okay. And part of that was because um, Mac is my, my primary computer, and there are very few games that you can play on a Mac. Right. So I got it to sit by. But yeah, just this endless, limitless world yeah. with constant variations. I, um, uh, back when Fable 2 came out, uh, I had gotten that and, and was really enjoying that right up until the point where I realized I literally had spent more time chopping wood in that video game than I ever have in real life. Yeah. And I, I, I realized I had an, uh, a problem. Yes. <laughs> uh, Fable is definitely uh, one of my wife's favorite lines of games. Yeah. So I, I totally understand. Mm -hmm. and, ha and having, walking into your... Uh, the town and having 900 hearts around you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a real player in yeah, Fable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, so, as far as as far as uh, you know, you were saying that your your oldest daughter just got into magic and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, do you do you get an opportunity to sit down and kind of play board games together? I mean, I know you guys are touring and kind of running you know all over the place and stuff, but. Uh, in our family, not a ton. Uh, we're, uh, we're more of a TV-watching family. Okay. I mean, that, that sounds terrible, I know, but we sort of there, yeah, there's various shows that, that we're just into as a family. And we, we, now, it's, it's sort of participatory watching. Like, things like uh, we love uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Just okay. love it. And I'll tell you, that is a great, great TV show. It is. Uh, we love uh, Hell's Kitchen. Okay. Uh, you just like hearing Gordon Ramsay yell at people. I love yeah. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they should review the TV show, too. <laughs> Gordon, Gordon Ramsay yells. yells at people. And then we love, um, there's a lot of the various, uh, the, the home improvement, there's various home improvement shows that we just were addicted to as a family right now. Um, Property Brothers. Oh, God, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is that. just, you know, mostly because we love to, to yell at the, the homeowners. Like everybody always needs more space for entertaining, and I don't know who's throwing all these damn parties. Nobody, nobody. Everybody needs an open floor plan. They need more space, and and they always are sure they can do it all for eight thousand dollars. Yeah. And it's just hilarious to us. And uh, so they yeah. should make a game out of that. Yeah. Why aren't there any home improvement games? Well, yeah, I suppose in a way, our our watching of those kind of shows is game. But we do try and uh, sit down every so often and, and do something. If there's a farming game, there can be a home improvement. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, chopping wood mechanic. We fit right in. See, what you don't know is that is the next album being added to the new Fable game. Oh, Actually, you can you can furniture your Gordon Gordon Ramsay will yell at you if you have the tea wrong. Yeah, you're pouring the beer wrong. You donkey. See, so that happened. Yeah, so that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> we like Horrible. games. Horrible. Um, so as far as uh, as far as your uh, experience here at Indie Popcorn, uh, give us some highlights of what you guys have enjoyed during the weekend. And this now for those of you who are listening and uh, for all of you out here in front of us, uh, we actually have an audience, which is kind of cool. Um, Yay! 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 
and it's you know visuals obviously yeah. podcasting again. I took a picture. Oh, they're real. Well, you should take a picture so you can post it. I did. Yeah, he did. Okay. I did. All right. Well, then you're the covered. guy with the phone in the hand all the time. You're covered. Um, <laughs> Got all the technology. That's right. That's right. But uh, uh, so as far as any popcorn, the last day, few hours before. Uh, as far as the last day is concerned, you guys have gotten a chance to see all three days of it. Uh, what has been your experience and what are some of the things that you have really enjoyed the most out of the con? It may not seem like the most exciting thing, but just how how well we've been treated and how nice everybody is. Because right. that's, that's not always true. Like, most cons are put together for a great reason, which is people have this enthusiasm for these great things, but that doesn't always translate into necessarily people who are very good at organizing a con. Right. And here it's been from the get-go just such a pleasure to be around, which I think translates to everybody who comes out to the con, that it's very clear where everything is and what time things are happening. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe it's a Midwest thing, but people are just nicer around here. Who's your hospitality? That's right, man. It's in India. Yep. There you go. Uh, and we got to go back to uh, St. Elmo's Steakhouse last night, which hey. is one of our favorite oh, steakhouses hey. anywhere. Oh. Paul, the Paul and Serum organization for, for many years has traveled on its stomach, and it's it's one of the one of the ways, uh, one of the things we never skimp on when touring. Like, we're ha- you know, we don't really care that much about what kind of hotel we're staying in as long as it's clean. Uh, but we always try and eat well, and uh, we don't always eat quite that well. Yeah, not, <laughs> not necessarily healthily, and not necessarily always super expensively. But we always try and eat something more than you know McDonald's on the side of the highway out of right. our laps. Uh, and St. Elmo has always been a real highlight for us. So it's great to get back. We cut it halfway. We had the St. Elmo out of our laps. Yeah, we had him take it. Yeah, we had him bring it out on a tray that hung in the window of our car. There you go. <laughs> a shake from Steak and Shake. Yeah. So, what the difference? But uh, um, yeah, that was great. Uh, we got to see. Um, we've known Joel Hodgson from Mr. Science Theater in the past to a certain degree. Uh, but this was the first. This was the first sort of full weekend we had to hang out and we got to see his, his Ripping Myself presentation. It was really great. Uh, very glad to see that. Uh, a few other old friends here and there. It's always nice to sort of you know, gather, see, see you know people we're on the circuit every so often with. Uh, through the cons and, and check in and say hi. Uh, our friend Drew Curtis from Fark.com lives not far away, so he was here all weekend. He's, he's a blast to hang out with. And, and, just, and yeah. of course, the concert. You know, that was yeah. that was really nice the way they had it set up. Where they were really featuring the entertainment, so it was great. Very cool. Yep. Well, now, how, how many uh, estimated? How many people did you guys have show up for? It's tough to say because there's hundreds. Yeah, to see how many hundreds. There's a lot of chairs over in the main theater area. I was eyeballing it and trying to do some basic math. I think there's at least like 2,000 chairs over oh, there wow. or in that neighborhood. So we certainly didn't have that many, but it was enough that there was enough people there to to the the sound wasn't just sort of going up and into the ceiling and disappearing. So it didn't feel like we were performing to to eight people. It was it was a critical mass of people that that everyone was into it, and we felt that it was nice. Well, uh, we are definitely glad that you guys came into town for the con. We hope that uh, we will see you at future cons and also, obviously, future uh, pop cons as well. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it'd be terrific. Um, and we loved having you guys on the show. And uh, just like we say to all of our guests, anytime you ever want to uh, 
uh, hit us up on uh, our Facebook or anything like that. Let us know. We will definitely, if, if it's not a live stage like this, we'll at least Skype you in if you can't, uh, if you can't, can't come hang out. Um, and you guys will all be there too, right? Yeah. A, we'll, we'll do a Google Hangout. It's a pitch-in. So you guys got to bring... <laughs> if someone brings St. Elmo's, they get first pick. That's right. We'll get you all over at St. Elmo's. Yeah, we'll get lap I'll give you my mic for St. Elmo's. <laughs> you can have it. So, um... I don't have a fact. You don't have a fact? I don't. Have fact. A I've, been, I've just been hanging out and enjoying this. Is this is this a regular thing you have to sort of fact? No, well, because we have established facts. Maybe we can make up a fact. What are we looking for here? What well, normally the way it works is there's usually some sort of overall theme or, or somebody will say a line that's just really catchy or something like that. And uh, I've just been enamored with uh, the experience of being able to uh, talk to you guys and be here at any popcorn. That uh, I'll, I'll personally never forget Darth Vader likes corn dogs. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, <laughs> so it just became a fact in yeah, that yeah, one instant. Darth Vader likes corn dogs. It's, we should ask the guy over there in uniform. Darth Vader likes we should get someone to uh, to edit the, uh, on the Darth Vader Wikipedia page somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Just get that in there. Sneak that one in. Get a screenshot. Corn dogs. Darth corn dogs. <laughs> Darth Vader likes corn dogs. Right, so personal life. Stains right. are no match for the dark side. That's right. So um, <laughs> before uh, the last thing we do is our fact, but before we do that, we always take a few minutes to do plugs. So please, sure. What do you guys, I know you said you have uh, Phoenix Comic Con coming up. Um, I'm not 100% sure when we'll get the episode out, so it may have already been Phoenix right. Comic Con, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely post on our Facebook and stuff, uh, anybody who's out in the Phoenix area to come and see you guys and go to Phoenix Comic Con, because I know it's humongous. Biggie. So, this yeah. is Biggie. So, um, but other than that, what do you guys think? Uh, let's see. Performance-wise, we have um, uh, after Phoenix Comic Con on uh, June, I want to say 11th, whatever that Wednesday is, we're doing a show in Dallas with Pat Rothfuss, the uh, author of the Name of the Wind books. Uh, that will also be a good time. And also in July at San Diego Comic Con on the Thursday night, we have uh, the variety show Rootstock that we do every year, co-hosted with Will Wheaton and Adam Savage, and a whole bunch of awesome guests. A big thing we do every year. Can you get us tickets to that? What's that? <laughs> can you get us tickets to that? I can point you to a link to get tickets to that. <laughs> Speaking of tickets and links to things, uh, a big thing we do every year is a uh, sort of a, a a fan cruise called Joko Cruise Crazy. And this is a, a Caribbean cruise crossed with a convention. Yeah. And it occurs every year. In 2015, it will be January 31st to February 8th. We're going to have a lot of special guest acts uh, to be announced. But in the past, we've had we've had Will Wheaton and John Hodgman. Um, uh, oh, uh, uh of course, yeah, real, real good job plugging Paul and Stone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's it. Those are the only two guys yeah, we've ever done. Ever. And you know what? That would be enough, but there's much more. <laughs> but if you go to jococruisecrazy.com, and Joko is short for Jonathan Colton, internet rock star. He'll be there. Star. He'll, he'll be there for sure. Um, it's, uh, but it's, it, as Storm says, it's, it's partly sort of a music and comedy festival. It's partly a comedy. We have a 24-hour gaming room uh, on the ship. The ship uh, has an ice rink. On board, uh, and it goes through the Caribbean. So bring your curling stones. It's as if you were here at Indie PopCon, <laughs> but then you walk outside, and there are fruity drinks in tropical beaches. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's the only opportunity you might have to see uh, 
skating in swimsuits. Because that's right. Yep. Yep. Totally. That's crazy. Also, uh, there's a link on our website to the Kickstarter we ran, uh, and one of the things that would be relevant to your interests might be uh, an app we developed. Okay. For playing role-playing games. Okay. So it's sort of a. I, be- I believe we can officially say we're calling it Soundbard. Yeah. Okay. Soundbard. Uh, where it's, we're, we're doing it's it's a, a lot of short songlets and stings and sound effects and such for for enhancing your role playing game. Where we're we're doing. Uh, we've got roughly 80 of them recorded so far. We're going to do somewhere between 120 to 150 oh, wow. of them. Uh, Scott Kurtz from PvP Online and uh, you know, Penny Arcade Associated Artist uh, is doing the art for it. Uh, we've got the guys at Tinker House Games are developing the app. We're really, we're really excited about it. Uh, it should be out in a, a few months, we hope. Very cool. As well as our next album called Ball Pit. But you can find all of that at paulandstorm.com. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, guys? Uh, just same quick things for us. God needs to speak for a moment, apparently. Um, Fear the Con, July 12th, to June 12th to the 14th. Uh, along with our Fear the Charity uh fundraising opportunities that Derek has mentioned multiple times. Uh, check that out on theestablishedfacts.com and fearthecharity.org. And um, I then think, we're... Uh, Derek will be in San Francisco in July. Yeah, I'm going to GameRx 2 in uh, mid-July. Um, and uh, Jason, obviously, I'm going to talk over God. So there. I will defeat you. <laughs> I think you're inviting calamity. That's right. <laughs> So, um, his name is Derek Newsom. Derek Newsom, the guy right here. Um, the white zone is for loading and unloading only. Please no parking or standing in the white zone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Darth Vader. So, um, I don't know what our last fact was. But that's okay, it doesn't matter. Our last fact is debuting in uh, 2015, Paul and Storm are introducing our uh, Darth Vader corn dog. That's right. Who's back in Darth Vader corn dog? No. Darth dogs. Darth, Darth dogs. dogs. Darth dogs. Would you. Just, just you don't, under, for you don't know the full power of these corn dogs. <laughs> would you would you have to would you have to dye the the cornmeal on the outside like red? Ooh. No, the oh. trick is um, they're regular corn dogs, but they're served instead of just on a stick, they're served in a lightsaber hilt. Uh, <laughs> and if you did it with blue corn, they'd be black ish. You did it with blue cornmeal? I guess it's true. Your lack of mustard disturbs you. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> That would be such awesome technology if you had a lightsaber hilt that when you press the button instead of a lightsaber it just spins the corn dog whenever you were hungry. Let's get on that technology science. They're trying to teleport people from one place to another. We just want a, a corn dog replicator. I want a 3D printer <laughs> that prints corn dogs that's housed inside of a lightsaber hilt. Is that that's so hard? I do not think Come on, science. To ask. Get on that. My concern um, would be the sound because you're used to hearing that boom thing. Right? It would be like, <laughs> like, like a tennis ball being shot out. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right, so uh, for this episode of The Established Facts, we have established that Darth Vader loves 
corn dogs. And is obsessed with cleanliness. That's right. <laughs> no lint for you. So, uh, thank you very much for listening, and thank you for all you guys for coming and hanging out with us. Paul and Storm, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you, Indie PopCon, for allowing us to do this. Uh, and again, we hope to talk to you guys again sometime soon. Let us know you when you want to be on the show. Thanks for having us. Hey, no problem. Let's do it right. again right now. That's Yay. right. Woo. Yay. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. And may the cleanliness be with you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Please visit us at www.theestablishedfacts.com and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theestablishedfacts. If you'd like to support us by buying some merchandise, visit cafepress.com slash castingrobot. Bonus.